What if I told you there's a place I can show you where you can confront the darkest of your nightmares? It's a place you can leave at any time you wish with just the push of a button. But rest assured, you will never forget your time at the Nightmare Bazaar. He was a man like any, many other. Until one day he woke suddenly to a taste, something strange one usually doesn't taste first thing in the morning. It came along with a dull noise, thudding, like a knock on a door with a fistful of carpet. Soon the words, I love you, appear, again the taste. It was bitter, a rancid, sticky candy feel, the mash of toffee in his mouth allowing no escape. Raw iron slipped down the back of his throat. An ache came with the smell, its smell. The aching owned the stench. It moved from head to stomach. Vomit, luckily managing not to turn left towards his loving wife, but right over the side of the bed. It splattered, flicking ugly bits back up at him, painting a light coat over the comforter. Bacon and egg sandwich, cheese, ketchup long digested, sparingly a speck of onion. Honey, his wife said, are you okay? Fuck, fuck. The word spilled from his mouth, silky, sweet. No more vomit. Drool, the desirous saliva, replaced it. Fuck, he said, this time a little more enjoyment. What? Fuck, fuck. He repeated it, and it was cotton candy for the lips. His palate lit bright, like one of those games with Bob Barker. Dozens of tiny stage bulbs firing up the right letters. Fuck. Fuck. Passion on the showcase showdown. Saccharin, syrupy sweetness. His face puckered. His wife said, Should I call a doctor? Oh my, you sweet man. Off rushed his wife to the phone to call and tell the doctor he'd finally gone mental. Sweet words. They don't taste how they sound. Some words do, just not the sweet ones. Some are big, fat, juicy berries gushing into the mouth, all over the tongue and slipping down behind your teeth, down the throat like heaven. But others, the nice things, the things some people think are cute and lovely, and oh my, you're some sweet for saying that, they're full of greasy, turgid cream, little box chocolates that when you bite into them explode with dry shit instead of orange cream or shredded coconut, sticking to the roof of the mouth, squat, wadded around the tongue, working all the way around the teeth and wedged into the gums. And those sweet things you wanted to say are now a rank stench in the mouth. You wish you could take them back, but you can't, not now. They stick with you until you wash your mouth out, gargle, spit, and still they remain. Yes, I need an ambulance, his wife said. My husband, yes, he's, he's well, I, I, I don't know, he's not well. Symptoms they wanted. What are his symptoms? She told them he was having a fit or something hard to describe fully. Not if he could just say what was happening, but for some reason, he felt as if saying it out loud would do him more harm than good. The man could see it now. Yes, Doc, tasting sounds. 
tasting sounds, are you? Well, come on in, sit right down here. Oh, just a second, can't find a pen? Be right back. Write you a prescription for some of those pills to help people who taste sounds. Nervous laughter. Then the doctor with the degrees and empirical methods of science and logic would say he's in there, he's fucking mad, lock him up. Two big men, they'll come in, say sorry, and then off they'll take him somewhere nice and safe and friendly, where friendly people would like to talk. You know, just go on in there to the hospital for a chat. A friendly little chat. And then violence, struggle, nowhere to go anymore. Strapped down to some old smelly mattress in a little room up on a forgotten wing of an underfunded hospital, paint cracking and curling like thick Italian pasta, fed by spoon, unwashed, having visits once or twice a day by people who, with the best of medical intentions, prod his brain, fold by fold by fold, and electroshock, Lord, yes, for something as serious as a mental disconnection, to the point where sound and taste merge into one single solitary sense, of course he'll be taken in for some of the good old electroshock therapy. Yes, they'll shock all that nonsense right out of him proper. Get that monkey off the back and have him nice and quiet, easy to manage in that forgotten wing of an overcrowded, understaffed piece of shit wing in an urban hospital. A brain in a jar he'll be for them to come stimulate with a few doses of wattage every now and then. Show him off, say we fix that one and everyone will clap. Yes, he'll be a case for rehabilitation he will on the shock therapy. Stop. The man managed to mumble with a marble tongue full of love's mangy taste and mouth-watering obscenity like icing stolen from the rim of a cake before it's cut, somewhere near divine the last bit. But the more his wife talked, the less perfect his mouth began to taste, and unflavoring, and talk she did. Oh, hold on. Honey, are you sure? I got the 911 on the line here. Stop. She put the phone back in her ear, ignoring her husband's plea. This is when the man first felt it swell within him. He'd known it before, but now with this new problem, his newly converging, monistic sense of sound and taste, it became something else, something altogether unique, and no longer the sweet taste of cake. Anger, spiteful words, hateful talk, boiling moments of rage and heated arguments tasted like copper, blood in the back of the throat. Except the blood turns to rot, an oozing pus-filled gangrenous sore that bleeds itself down past the tonsils, filling a nauseous gut. It explodes, spewing the cancerous bile building inside your belly out over everybody, anybody, any living thing within reach. Spew this anger. This is true, terrifying, unbridled anger. The anger one can taste, spew, anger that sticks to the teeth, warm and fuzzy like tiny sweaters hugging every molar and incisor in reach. Anger one tastes each morning when one wakes, a dry, flaky, gray paste on the tongue from the ash of hate. This taste, it's the truth behind anger. No wonder some people go absolutely mad and spew. Color, a shade black, more color. There the man was, some smell in his nose, iron-like. He didn't know what had happened. Had anything happened? He couldn't tell anymore. At least not until looking behind him. His wife, her head. The look on her face spelled it out. H-O-R-R-O-R. No taste for this. What he saw, his wife on the floor, the back of her head caved in and her scalp, sort of peeling off, looking how the sole of a shoe does when it starts tearing. All that blood. 
For a moment, there were feelings of being distraught, a loosened sense of being apart from everything, on his own somewhere, lost, floating out amongst the stars deep in space, alone, gone. Then he wondered, wondering. He leaned over and dipped a finger into the pooling blood, slowly congealing now it had been so long in reality around his wife's mangled skull. He sucked his finger clean. The finger, now moist, stained reddish, looked like a big wad of chewing gum. The blood, it didn't taste like anger, how anger seemed to taste of blood. In fact, it didn't taste like anything. He quickly made his way to the kitchen, opening the fridge. There were tons of things to choose from, but he chose to make a sandwich. It calmed him to make sandwiches. Often when he and his wife would fight, the first thing he'd do was come down from the bedroom, scene of many a marital mental sparring session, and make himself a sandwich. One of those good ones where you put a lot of effort in, not some lackadaisical sandwich, uninspired, made in a rush after forgetting lunch for work and dashing home, a sandwich on the clock. So he made a nice, proper sandwich. Because he wanted to know. No, he needed to know. He had to know. Mayo, lettuce, cheese, deli meats, a little garlic powder, mustard, a ring of onion, just a thin slice, two or three leaves of spinach. He was happy with the sandwich, a god standing above the beautiful bread heaven he'd created, admiring his handiwork. He wanted to know what it would taste of, now that sound and taste had formed a coalition of the senses, forging new worlds. He needed to find out what this new sensory enlightenment had done to taste itself, how sound becoming taste affected taste's primary function. And when he bit into the sandwich slowly, crunching down into deli meat and cheese and lettuce and onion, it started. First, a roar. Then as he continued to chew in those first seconds, the roar became an epic horn from the depths of eternity. He could barely stand it. After a moment, he stopped chewing. It hurt every atom of his being. He started rummaging through the pantry and the rest of the fridge. He tasted everything. Even slowly licking ice cream came with a bellowing, yawning boom. It threatened to shake his testicles loose from the vast deference holding them in. Each food, no matter what it was, big or small, tasty or not so much, came with its own shattering screech, or howl, or banging, beating, blowing, and so it went. On and on, torrents of sound engulfing all. Then one day, far away, after he'd exhausted the limitations of his sanity for the immense racket in his head each time he tried to eat, he finally gave up. He stopped eating. For a time he considered drinking blood. He imagined himself becoming some sort of modern vampire feeding off people. The blood, his wife's blood, hadn't tasted of anything. No beating or screaming, no chorus of a horrific symphony from beyond, just silence and taste. It was either stop eating or eat blood forever. He couldn't even remember actually killing his wife, but he knew there was no will in him to kill anybody else. No way he could make a life for himself having to kill people just to get a pint of blood, a pint to make it through the day, going around to the blood bank asking for donations for supper. Giving up food was the only sensible option in a world devoid of sensible options. He gave up talking because it reminded him of how everything tasted before, back when things actually tasted and they didn't sound of screams or horns, no rhyme, no reason, just 
Rusty blaring their wobbly notes into his ear. He stopped doing everything. Soon he only sat. He became sitting itself. Sitting was what he did. It was all he did, everything he was. One day long past when he quit food and gave up speech, he finally perished. His body was a frail shell. It no longer required sensory perception. No need for food, no matter what it tasted of or sounded like. He didn't need to talk because not only was there nobody to actually listen, but he was finally gone, dead, expired, relieved. Nobody found him for quite some time. He stopped talking to other people long before he stopped talking in general. Too hard to stomach, too hungry to hear words come out of the mouths of others. When they did find him, of course they found his wife too. Everyone wondered, so curious, why a seemingly normal man like him would do such a horrible thing to a good woman like her. Without words, two detectives stepped around the home, a ghastly crime scene if there ever were, examining things, trying their hardest to fit the puzzle pieces together. One of the detectives motioned silently to her partner, indicating where her eyes were looking, urging him to focus on the same place. Her partner inferred the meaning correctly. His eyes refocused, adjusting to a new point of interest. Unspoken, the two detectives came to an understanding, their first real clues. The house looked as if someone had strewn groceries everywhere. Everything stank. A steamy bomb sat over everything, dripping humidity from long dead corpses sitting together in a closed space. Even the fake plants were busy sweating from the heat of decay. Each detective occasionally pulled their button-up shirt out away from their body a few times, either to cover their noses or fan themselves lightly. Death. Everywhere. In the air. On the skin. You could taste it. Right on your tongue. Another week, another macabre tale. Thank you for joining me here amongst the darkness. You can find more content at patreon.com slash fathergore, where podcast episodes release early for patrons. There are a handful of tiers including creepy monthly stories, queer gothic essays, film lectures, as well as columns on pro wrestling, film remakes, and more. Please share the podcast with your creepy friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere to help spread the horrific word. And don't forget, you never ever really leave the Nightmare Bazaar.